Hi, and welcome to the Wise Healthy Bites podcast. I'm Beth. And I'm Catherine. With a combined 27 years of experience as registered dietitians, we're here to share real-life nutrition tricks and lifestyle tips that we hope will inspire you to make helpful choices in the aisles of the supermarket and in life. This is episode number 18. Do you have a salt tooth? And on today's episode, we'll explore what it means to have a salt tooth and share ways to shake up home cooking by flavoring recipes with less sodium. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in today. Um, So yeah, we've heard people say that they have a sweet tooth, but what about a salt tooth? Uh, So we're going to tackle that um, today. And we also, uh, so now that we're cooking and eating more at home, how do we add flavor to foods without adding salt? But we do want to start by mentioning that, you know, our bodies do need some salt, you know, also called sodium. Um, And really sodium is an electrolyte in our body. It helps to maintain maintain our fluid balance. It transmits nerve impulses. Um, It's involved in the contraction and relaxation of muscles. So sodium is a very important electrolyte and we do need it, but we also don't need too much. That's right. No, I think that was a good um, explanation too. So people, you know, realize that it is something that may add flavor to food, of course, but it's an an essential kind of component to the body as well. So like like Catherine said, you know, we've heard um, people say they have a sweet tooth, which I think I would be in that category. Um, So, you know, what's a salt tooth and kind of what does that look like? Uh, So there was a study done in the fall of 2016 and researchers kind of dug into this a little bit more. They did some genetic testing to see whether participants carried a gene variation that enhances the bitter taste, which may predispose them to favor salty or sweet foods differently. Right. And so what the researchers found was that people who had this certain gene variation were nearly twice as likely to exceed the recommended limit of 2,300 milligrams of sodium per day compared to those who did not have that gene variation. So interesting. And so really, why did these folks eat more salt? Um, So it comes down to that they taste salt more intensely and enjoy it more, causing them to just simply prefer heavily salted foods. Or it could be that people use salt to mask the bitter taste of some foods. Right. So, I mean, that is just so fascinating to me, but again, it's, you know, one study, it was preliminary, um, and really more research is needed to kind of fully understand how people's genes impact how much sodium they eat. Um, and whether you have this gene or not, and you know, you obviously are probably never going to know if you do, you know, reducing the amount of sodium that you eat in, in your diet is really good for your health. That's right. And um, we'll kind of go into that, that piece in just a moment. So, you know, what's really behind the insatiable sweet or salty tooth? And, you know, like we're kind of discovering a lot of it is genetic. So everyone inherits a unique combination of genes that determine taste sensitivity. So genes also determine the number of taste buds you have. Um, of course, environment also plays a role in taste preferences and kind of what you're influenced uh, and used to eating. So if you think of foods you may have eaten as a child or foods that you serve in your home and how your children might react to those foods, environment plays a huge role for sure. Um, So if you grew up on potato chips, um, you may be more likely to prefer that same salty taste as you get older. Yes, that was totally me. Like whenever we would come home from school every day, like I would go and reach for that bag of potato chips. Like, I don't know. It's just, and and I still to this day love potato chips. I know, you know, I just, I said previously there, I was a sweet tooth, but again, you know, thinking of potato chips and it it just kind of depends on the occasion, I guess. I'm kind of a hybrid, a hybrid sweet, salty. I know, (laughs) or I have both. I don't know. Yes. (laughs) 
Okay, so what are the recommendations? So the American Heart Association recommends no more than 2,300 milligrams of sodium per day with an ideal limit of no more than 1,500 milligrams for some adults. So um, those that should stick to that 1,500 milligrams per day would be, you know, if you already have high blood pressure, kidney disease, and there's a few other conditions. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we've never done this before, but we're going to do a pop quiz. So it's multiple choice. So, you know, just if you're listening, think about what you think the correct answer would be. So um, how much sodium does the average American eat each day? So is it less than 2,000 milligrams? Is it between 2,000 and 3,000 milligrams? Or is it over 3,000 milligrams? Mm, so, I feel like we need some like theme music. Oh, the Jeopardy music. <laughs> All right, well, listeners, listeners. So, you know, maybe you have a number kind of in your mind there, you know, based on what Catherine just provided us the choices. So the answer is over 3000 milligrams a day. So if you chose that, ding, 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 you are correct. And, you know, obviously it's milligrams, but when you hear something like 3000, that just sounds like such a high number. It does. Um, you know, so nine out of 10 people consume too much sodium, sodium on average. And, you know, Americans are just eating more than 3,400 milligrams of sodium every day. So chances are that might be you, you know, someone that's listening right now. Exactly. So what are the consequences of eating too much sodium? So as Catherine mentioned, a lot of it connects back to heart health and, you know, why you might be on a restricted sodium diet. Um, it certainly can be a risk factor for developing high blood pressure, which can lead to heart attack or stroke. And heart disease is still the leading cause of death in the U.S., yeah. And so right now, about one third of Americans have high blood pressure. Um, and when they, there's some research out there, so at 50 years old, the life expectancy is five years longer for people when they have normal blood pressure at that 50 years. old. That's huge. Mm -hmm. I mean, think of adding five years to your life, um, you know, just by, you know, one of those simple things you can do is, you know, check that sodium on the food labels. And it's like one um, of those things too, that it's so, you can manage it so right. easily, you know, you can either prevent, um, you know, or you could manage it. So there's some, I think, good options um, for sure for individuals that find themselves with that diagnosis. Right. right, exactly. So in addition to high blood pressure, you know, excess sodium can even lead to osteoporosis, um, kidney disease, and even problems with your vision. And I think one of the hard things about sodium is that, you know, you don't always get these consequences right away. So like, you know, eating, you know, it kind of builds up long-term. Um, but even you are able to notice some things right away. So if you eat a lot of sodium, you know, maybe that might lead to water retention and puffiness and bloating. But, you know, so again, there are some immediate consequences, but, you know, the, the majority of consequences are things that we see way down the road. That's right. You know, sometimes I'll notice too, if I've like had like a saltier meal than normal, maybe it's something that we've ordered or we've eaten out thirst. I do. Oh my gosh. I'm, I know more thirsty, um, you know, as a result of that too. So that's definitely kind of like a side effect there. Um, but I think it's important to know that this isn't something that adults only need to be aware of. It can be very hard to motivate just younger generations to be aware of their sodium intake um, because chronic blood pressure, unfortunately, is a long-term consequence that can take years to build up. So even those of you that might be 
on the younger end of our age range for listeners, um, you know, or if you have children that are kind of like, you know, in those younger, like even into teenage years, it is something to really start to pay attention to. Um, so there may not be any kind of immediate side effects or consequences right now, but long term, you know, you may start to see some of those different things. So kids who consume a high sodium diet are twice as likely to develop high blood pressure um, than kids who have had a lower sodium diet. So it really is something that, you know, building those good habits now will definitely translate hopefully into better health and lower risk for blood pressure as an adult. Um, so again, you know, influencing your children in a positive way, you know, and, and kind of modeling that good behavior as a parent is just so important. Yeah. And so speaking of kids, so I met this woman a couple years ago and she was part of the Alyssa Dressler Foundation. And um, what they do is they provide a free youth heart screening event each year um, locally here in Central PA. So this is for kids ages 12 to 19. Um, and if you think about it, you know, you don't really kind of get screenings like this as kids, like as a typical, you know, at a typical, typical doctor visit, you know. So they provide these free screenings and she just sent us a thank you letter because um, we donate, um, you know, like some of our Healthy Bites magazines and recipes and stuff like that. So she told us that over a hundred kids were tested um, at this year's event and 17 participants uh, warranted further on-site testing with EKGs. Um, and one of those was identified as high risk and referred to a pediatric cardiologist for further evaluation. Um, and seven of those kids were flagged for high blood pressure and suggested to follow up with their family physician. So um, it was just really nice to kind of get, you know, get that recap of that event and just see really how important it is for kids to be screened um, and, you know, to be aware of your diet, again, like you said, at such a young age. That's right. Um, yeah, and I think if you're, you know, at your child's next, you know, well visit, for example, it might just be something to address with the, the pediatrician or the physician just to, you know, kind of get a baseline and be able to track it from there. Um, you know, really being proactive with, you know, blood pressure and, and just heart health in general can really make all the difference, right? Um, so start now. Um, so I, I love this. And so some of you listeners might be thinking as we're talking about sodium and, you know, the a general American sodium intake per day, you know, oh, hey, you know, I don't even even, I don't even add salt. I don't even use a sh salt shaker. So if that's you, let me just clarify something here. Uh, the reality is that more than 75% of the sodium we eat is actually in the foods we're consuming. So that would include prepackaged and restaurant foods. So it's not really what we're adding in cooking or adding at the table from a salt shaker. It's something that's inherent in that packaged food um, that's been processed um, you know, already. So it's not what you're adding in. So this is why it's so important to read labels. And Catherine's going to kind of talk a little bit more about a few common sources of sodium in our diets. These might yes. shock you. <laughs> yes. So there's something out there called the salty six. And so these are the most common food sources of sodium in our diets. Um, and they are, so breads and rolls, pizza, sandwiches, lunch meats and other cured meats, soups, and then burritos and tacos. So yeah, I don't know. I think when I first saw the salty six list, I think of you know, oh, things that are staples in our diet, for example, right? you know, breads, Bread. um, you know, different soups, sometimes tacos and, and some of those things. So, you know, hopefully that was a surprise to some of you. I think they're just some really good, um, good comments for sure. And, and I think some of them really do make a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, so there's sodium in so many other foods too, you know, just to kind of like 
I think that are, are notable. Um, pasta sauces, condiments, especially um, one of my personal favorites, soy sauce and salad dressing, canned foods and broths, boxed and frozen meals, cheese, cottage cheese, pretzels, and many more. And honestly, right now, some of these foods might be just those go-to foods that you have readily available just in our current situation. Um, the the benefit though is that you really do have a lot of kind of access to lower sodium options or no salt added options. Um, and again, we'll dive into a little bit deeper um, kind of level of label reading tips and so forth. But so just some other common foods that we're probably eating on the regular that can really contribute um, to sodium intake largely throughout the day. Um, I know. So it can really add up so fast. Oh my gosh, it adds up so fast. So for example, you know, let's just take a look at your typical turkey sandwich. Let's say you want to make a turkey sandwich for lunch. Yeah. This um, um, a great one too. I love this breakdown. <laughs> I know. And to be honest, like I was making turkey sandwiches all last week. Right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> okay. So a slice of bread has about 120 milligrams of sodium. Of course, you're going to have two slices for a sandwich. A slice of cheese, 150 milligrams of sodium. Two ounces of lunch meat, 340 milligrams of sodium. Uh, so again, the bread, the cheeses, the lunch meat, like many of those are on our salty six list. Um, and then a tablespoon of mayo, about 90 milligrams of sodium. So when you add that all up, that's 820 milligrams of sodium. So like individually, it doesn't seem like that much for each ingredient, right. but when you add it all up, so let's say you're someone who, you know, already has high blood pressure. Ideally you're trying to stick to that 1500 milligrams of sodium. So like one sandwich is already, you know, more than halfway to that, you know, limit for the day. So these things really can add up. But the great thing about, you know, many of us eating more and cooking more at home right now is that we do have more control over the ingredients. So right. again, you know, comparing labels and seeing where you can save um, some of those milligrams of sodium. And just for example too, so some of these things just blow my mind. Uh, a frozen lasagna dinner from a popular name brand, 650 milligrams of sodium. Um, and canned soups, which, you know, a lot of us are, I've been eating like grilled cheese and tomato soup lately because mm. it's just really comforting. And I was going to say, yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, but even one can of the healthy request tomato soup has 890 milligrams of sodium. And I guess a note about that is a, a lot of times on canned soups, you know, if you look at the serving size, the serving size is two for the can. Mm -hmm. So if you're eating that whole can, like I absolutely do, mm -hmm. double, you know, that the milligrams of sodium per serving. So. No. And I think that's no too. So yeah, the healthy request that is like, you know, the lower sodium of it. So if you're buying like the regular canned tomato soup, I mean, gosh, yeah, it's, it's going to be much higher than that 890. Um, exactly. so yeah, that's a really great point. Um, and I think too, the, the positive thing is that when you really start to look at sodium in packaged and kind of prepared foods, it's the sodium's high. The, the positive thing though, is that you can easily control that by cooking, you know, very fresh, natural ingredients that are naturally low in sodium. So of course that would include fresh frozen vegetables and, and fruits. And these would of course be the ones without added sauces. So if you see those among the, the frozen foods case, you know, sticking to just the plain frozen varieties would be ideal. Um, 
plain fresh meats and seafood, eggs, plain grains. So again, staples right now, rice, quinoa, farro, you know, anything like that, pasta, um, no salt added varieties of food. So again, looking for those whenever you can, you know, find those. So canned beans, vegetables, and you know, there's some broth, there's like other options too within that category and unsalted nuts and snack foods. Um, you know, so when you're at home, of course, in cooking, you can really add flavor to foods in a lot of different ways. And we're going to share some really great tricks to you with you. Um, um, that you can add a ton of flavor uh, without actually adding salt. Right. Okay. So we have three alternatives to help us achieve a salty flavor in foods without actually adding any salt. So the first one is to use um, fresh lemon, lime, or almost any type of citrus fruit. So oftentimes when a dish, you know, tastes kind of flat and you think, oh, I need to add salt to this try adding an acidic ingredient like citrus. So fresh lemon is actually one of the closest natural flavors to salt. So if you just add, you know, a squeeze of fresh lemon juice or a little bit of lemon zest, you know, add that to your dish and you will get that salty flavor. Um, and so lemon zest, you know, if you have a zester at home or like the smallest um, side on your, like a cheese grater or something like that. And you just kind of get that outer yellow peel of the lemon. It has mm -hmm. a lot of really, really good flavor in there. Um, so, you know, add a squeeze of lemon to salads or steamed or sauteed veggies. So if you're getting those plain veggies, you know, add some of that lemon um, juice or zest on there. Um, even things like grilled fish or chicken or even soup, um, you know, and don't limit yourself to, to just lemon, you know, try lime or orange or grapefruit. Like they all add a really good um, salty flavor. Oh yeah. And I know Catherine, you and I in particular, we, we add, you know, citrus zest to a lot of different recipes. Oh it appears in a lot of our healthy bites recipes and it really it is such a significant flavor difference. So I mean, maybe a fun experiment, you know, if you make, you know, something that you're like, I need a little something added to this, just experiment and try, see what the, the citrus does. Um, but yeah, it really does elevate the flavor. Um, and it'll be one of those kind of tools in your kitchen and cooking toolbox moving forward. Exactly. Um, another great solution would be to add different types of vinegar. So again, it comes back to the acidic flavor that helps to mimic that saltiness uh, and that salt flavor. So really any vinegar would work to give you that tangy flavor. So whatever your preference might be, you know, balsamic, white wine, um, you know, red wine vinegar, um, and then adding vinegar to salads, sauces, and soup, again, can kind of add just that little something extra. And I feel like it's almost one of those things you might not be able to put your finger on. Like after you've right, tasted it, it's right. like, what changed that? You know, if you didn't realize that maybe you were served something that had this in it, you might be like, what is that flavor? Um, oh, I should know apple cider vinegar is another good one yeah. too that would be kind of in that mix. But uh, I've added, um, or I've seen recipes that actually use uh, I think it's red wine vinegar and chili, which is like, oh, interesting. But it yeah. kind of just like gives it a little bit of a boost, uh, right. you know, and, and turns up that flavor a little bit. Yeah, exactly. Um, so our third way would be to use, you know, there are so many varieties available now of salt-free seasoning blends um, or even just other spices or fresh herbs. So um, I know when you're looking in kind of the dried herbs and spices aisle, there's so many options. So just so take many. a second. <laughs> Look and see, you know, look for the salt-free seasoning blends. Um, and especially look for ones that are kind of like a lemony or citrus flavored. Um, there are just a ton out there right now and just try to experiment. Um, and one thing I've noticed recently when I've been cooking is that, and recently I've just been trying to try some new recipes, like change things up a little bit. 
And some of these recipes called for like a lot of the spice or herb. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I would never put that much in a recipe, but I'm like, okay, trust the process. Go for it. I know. I was like, okay, we're just going to go for it. And the food tasted amazing. So I think like for me, like I was always like scared to add like so much because I'm like, oh my gosh, what's going to happen? But like even like fresh dill, you know, Mm -hmm, on mm -hmm. salmon or, Mm -hmm. you know, all of that is just give it a try. Yeah. You're afraid to over season because yes. what you're going to do is ruin something. And I think that's a great, a great point. So you maybe start with whatever your comfort level is as far as a, an amount and maybe just add slightly more, add slightly more. I mean, I wouldn't go from like one tablespoon to two tablespoons, but maybe one tablespoon, then add a quarter tablespoon and kind right. of like step your way up a little bit. Um, but I think that can, to your point, it can be very intimidating. And yes. you know, the other thing too, on a lot of bottles of like, you know, spices and herbs and mixes, I mean, I feel like they give you a good idea of good usage uh, solutions as well. So, you know, maybe one is better on something like vegetables or potatoes. Another might be better on, you know, steak or, or chicken or something. So even like looking to the label on a, a seasoning, you know, or some kind of spice package can make a difference too, to give you a little bit right. more of a confidence boost. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a great point. Um, so yeah, so our three tips were to use, you know, fresh mm-hmm. citrus, so lemons, limes, um, try adding a vinegar and then looking for those salt-free seasoning blend spices and fresh herbs. Um, and I really think if you try those, you are going to be amazed at how flavorful, you know, lower sodium foods can be. Um, and, and just in general, we have seemed to acquire a taste for a very high salt diet. Cause I mean, let's face it, salt adds flavor, mm-hmm. but you know, remember our taste buds do change every couple of weeks. Um, so you really will get used to different flavors and a lower sodium diet. And I know I've talked to many, many customers that have been like, you know what? I really have worked on lowering my sodium and, and then they eat something that they used to eat. And it's like way too salty. They can't even eat it anymore. So you mm-hmm. really really do get used to the flavors. That's right. And honestly, that it's a side note, but that, that kind of same application can work for sugar too. I mean, oh if you're gosh, trying yeah. to reduce your sugar intake, you may try, may try something then weeks down the road after you've been mindful of it and it's just so overpoweringly sweet. So it kind of, um, it works the same way with, with yeah. uh, sweet foods yeah, too. It really does. All right, Beth, what is our takeaway tip for the week? You know, I think um, probably a great, great one would really just be to be very mindful, be aware when you're shopping, to check labels, compare products for the sodium content. So even within, you know, just take, for example, soy sauce. When you really look at various brands, if they're all like regular soy sauce or even low sodium, I should say, there is a significant difference um, in the sodium content. So just compare across the board um, and be able to make the lower sodium choice uh, amongst those different categories. And, you know, really when shopping in wise market stores, you can look for our low sodium Nutrifags icon that's right on the pricing tag. So it's a nice icon. It pops right out. So you don't have to necessarily even look at the package or the nutrition facts panel for that sodium content. You can just look for this colorful icon and that will give you an idea of something that is 140 milligrams or less of sodium per serving. Um, And also just across the board, you know, looking for call outs on a package that might say no salt added or lower Mm -hmm. sodium, reduced sodium. Those would be some, you know, just different things to, to look at as you're doing your shopping. Yeah. yeah. So just one final note um, on our Nutrifex program, probably the low sodium one is the one I use the most and I look for the most when I'm shopping out of all the ones that are in the program. So yeah, it is really, really handy. Yeah, um, definitely. Great, great. All right. Well, thanks everyone for tuning in. You can get in touch with us by joining the Wise Dietitians Facebook group. Simply search for Wise Healthy Bites on Facebook 
or you can email us at wisedietitians at wisemarkets.com. The information shared in this podcast is intended for education only and is not intended to be a substitute for a medical diagnosis or treatment. The Wise Markets Healthy Bites podcast is owned and distributed by Wise Markets and Sunbury Broadcasting Corporation. Any rebroadcast or other use of this podcast without the express written consent of Wise Markets and Sunbury Broadcasting Corporation is strictly prohibited. Please click subscribe so you won't miss a single episode.